Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. And on this edition of our show, we are continuing our conference theme. This week, it's the Big Ten. I was at the Big Ten Media Day last week in Chicago, talking to all 14 head coaches and a number of players from all Big Ten schools. On this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Maryland head coach Mark Turgeon, Michigan senior point guard Xavier Simpson, and Nebraska new head coach Fred Hoiberg. Also on the back end of our podcast, I'll be joined by Chad Acock from Turner Sports. He's the better half of me in March Madness. He'll challenge me on my predictions, bubble teams, locks, you name it. And we'll also be joined by Jimmy Jackson. He played at Ohio State, good NBA career. Son Trayvon Jackson played at Wisconsin, went to multiple Final Fours. Jimmy is a college basketball analyst covering the Big Ten and Big East for Fox Sports. Uh, also works for TNT during the NCAA tournament. So plenty for you to digest here on March Madness 365. But as I said, this is our Big Ten themed podcast. We're going to do a conference each week in the month of October. Last week we did the Pac-12. Then I went to the WCC and you can sort of see that coverage from my other media days that we're not covering the podcast on our March Madness. This week it's ACC. I'm also going to the Big East. But the Big East later in the week, you'll see that coverage on March Madness. So let's get to our Big Ten headlines for this season. Andy Katz, you know this is our year. Spartan Dogs, won't you tell the people? So you just heard Steve Smitty-Smith talking about Michigan State, his alma mater. I think they're going to win it all. They're my favorite to win the national championship. Top team in the Big Ten. They're deep. Cassius Winston at the point. Xavier Tillman inside. Aaron Henry. Gabe Brown. Joshua Langford's healthy. Rocket Watts, freshman, on board. Big question for Michigan State. Will Marcus Bingham be the impact forward that they need? Will that happen? If it does, they're deep at every position. Uh, Kyle Arns is back. He's healthy. I think this is Tom Izzo's best chance to win the national championship, even though he's been to a ton of Final Fours, since he last won it in 2000. Ladies and gentlemen, our new head men's basketball coach for the University of Michigan Wolverines, Jawan Howard. I'm back. My second headline. John Howard taking over at Michigan. This was a great hire by Michigan. A great hire, okay? I think back to the late Bo Schembechler, who said after Bill Frieder bolted to Arizona State, or even flirted with Arizona State, I think, at the time. It was, yeah, he hadn't taken it yet. Uh, we need a Michigan man. So he hired Steve Fisher, and they won the 1989 National Championship. They didn't need a Michigan man, but Ward Manuel got the right Michigan man because Juwan Howard was ready. He had been working under the tutelage of Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. And it's the, the I mean, he hired a great staff, retained Saudi Washington, brought in Howard Isley, 
Hired Phil Martelli, former head coach at St. Joe's. Tremendous hire. So all the pieces are there. He's got returning players in Xavier Simpson, John Teske, Isaiah Livers. I think they're going to be in the tournament. Chad may challenge that. Uh, you know, may challenge me later in the podcast here. But look, he admits he's got things to learn. He's got a learning curve. But I just think that Juwan Howard is the right guy at the right time, and it's great to have him back in college basketball. I think we have a different swagger to lay the foundation for what should be an every year experience for us, and that's in being in the NCAA tournament. Penn State wants good basketball. So I understand you think it's a football school. They want it. We have stability. We have sustainability. And that's what you need in a great program. My third headline in the Big Ten going into the season is that Illinois and Penn State are going to be the NCAA tournament. Once again, I think Chad will challenge me on that. But the timing is right. The rebuilds complete. You could say they're ongoing. But uh, at Illinois... Brad Underwood feels incredibly confident with this group. Just needs a little bit more toughness, he told me. But Ayo DeSumo's back. Georgia Bashanis-Vili's back. Trent Frazier, Andre Felice, Kipper Nichols. They added Kofi Cockburn. Demonte Williams is back. I think they've got all the pieces at every position. And as long as they close out games well, Illinois is going to be in the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to be in top four, possibly, in the Big Ten. Penn State, yes, they lost Rasir Bolden and Josh Reeves. But I'm confident the backcourt of Jamari Wheeler and Miles Dredd will be good enough because they've got Lamar Stevens, who could carry them to the NCAA tournament and could be the Big Ten Player of the Year. I'm going with Cassius Winston, but Lamar Stevens has that kind of um, ability as a double-double guy. And, you know, I talked to him in Chicago. He is confident that he came back for this reason to ensure that Penn State is in the NCAA tournament. So I am very confident in my picks that Illinois and Penn State will be in the NCAA tournament. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Jimmy Jackson, a colleague at Fox, and of course, a Big Ten alum, played at Ohio State. Your son played at Wisconsin, so a lot of Big Ten in your blood. All right, let's go back and forth here. Um, to me, there's tears. Right. Yeah. I got Michigan State and Maryland mm-hmm. clearly as the top two. Where are you? I agree with you. I mean, it is. It's a separation. It's funny because generally in the Big Ten, you have three or four teams that are kind of fighting for that top position. But those who clearly stand out amongst the rest of the league. But what I think makes it interesting is that after that, you can slot a number of different teams in there that could potentially be third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, which I think makes it a lot more competitive. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. So in that grouping, uh, I mean, it could be Purdue, could be Ohio State. You know, we'll see if Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois. Illinois. I'm high on Illinois. I'm also high on Penn State. Maybe not that high, but I think they could rise up. We don't know about Iowa with Jordan Bohannon. Um, Where would you rank some of those other teams? Well, Michigan, because you have returning guys coming back, especially Xavier Simpson at the point guard position. I think Isaiah Livers is going to take that next step. It's going to be interesting to see the type of offense that Jawan Howard and his coaching staff kind of institute because it's going to be a little bit different than what Coach Beeline is still going to be inside out but they still want to play with a lot of pace. I think Illinois is the interesting team because we saw last year they struggled at times, but defensively they were so good, they just had an issue kind of like Penn State closing out games. I do believe this trip they took this summer to Spain 
brings them closer together as a unit, especially in the instituting some of those new guys in. But it also gives Coach Underwood another year to kind of get his guys in who he needs to kind of grow together. All right, so how's this league changed, not just from when you played, but when your son played at Wisconsin? Well, it's not a post-up first league. I mean, if you look at what Michigan wanted to do when Beeline came in, he kind of took that post-up position out, more pick and rolls, diving to the basket, using the three-point line. Now you see Michigan State, which is a powerful team, but they utilize the perimeter spacing and shooting a lot more. So the, the league has changed from being a plotting league, a physical league, even, even though we're still physical, to more of getting the ball up and down the court. And I think that is a microcosm of what's happened not only in the Big Ten, ACC, but throughout basketball professionally overseas. All right. I'm going to hear about this. Maybe okay. you will as well, because I didn't mention Ohio State. Somehow I just blanked there, even though you went to Ohio no. State. All right. So where do they fit in all this? Uh, right in that mix. You, you saw Caleb Wesson. See how much weight he lost? I mean, the dedication to his body. I think he heard the murmurs about, yeah, you're good. But if you really got yourself in tip-top shape, you could be an imposing figure. I think the key with Ohio State, one, they turned the ball over too much at times last year, and their perimeter shooting wasn't up to par. I think a lot of that changes this year uh, for Coach Holtman. But they're one of those teams, once again, that you can put, okay, are they third, are they fifth, are they fourth? But it's a matter of them, I think, just taking care of the basketball, being able to have better perimeter shooting. I want to go back to Michigan for a second. I love when I talk to Juwan Howard. He didn't use, you know, he didn't rip on the past culture. A lot of coaches do that when they come in. He wants to put, yes, his own imprint. But he said there was nothing wrong with the past culture because they won. They won at a high level. Um, The transition from the NBA to college, what's going to be the biggest hurdle for Juwan? The amount of work. And not that he didn't work at the pro level, but this is totally, we talked about it today. The amount of work and time spent, not just on the court, but off the court, the compliance issues. You got to deal with alumni. You got to deal with events. You got all, all the recruiting part of it. The game is the game. Okay? He, he'll be able to adjust and get that because he has an excellent coaching staff. I thought the Martell hire was genius because it allows him to navigate through the newness of college basketball. But handling everything else out, outside of the court, you know it, Andy. it is a tough to deal with. And along with the expectation. So that's the transition. Right? I'm not worried about it from a basketball perspective, but now you're the CEO, basically, and, that, and that's, a, that's a different challenge. Okay, here's another thing I love, that every, every couple of years we get a guy like Cassius Winston who played three, four years, mm-hmm. who ends up being the potential player of the year. We've seen this in other schools. You know, last year, obviously, Zion Williamson was the overall top talent. Cassius Winston is going to go into the season as the preseason player of the year, not just in the Big Ten, but potentially nationally. What does that tell you when a kid like that came out of high school? He wasn't expected to achieve all this. No, he wasn't. But I think it goes back to, one, his intelligence as a player, understanding who he is early on. He's not the quickest. He's not the most athletic. But he understood what made him special was in between his ears. And he's grown through that. He's earned the trust of Coach Izzo to allow him now to dominate the basketball in a good way, to set up his teammates. All that stuff is a part of growth, but the intelligence to understand and recognize who he is as a player and not try to be somebody else, to me, is the key is why Cassius has the potential, not only like you talked about to be the Big Ten Player of the Year, but National Player of the Year, but a lot of it is going to depend on the team and how successful they are. All right, one last thing that i got to get your opinion. We talked about this when we were together in Miami a couple weeks ago. Uh, What's harder, playing in the Big Ten or watching your son play in the Big Ten and play in the Final Four? Oh, playing was easy. 
Watching him play was, Andy, I'm going to tell you, man, it was, and I got a chance to watch it all the way from he's a freshman to cover him. And then for me, I'm jealous, I'm envious because he got to a Final Four, he got to two of them and a national championship, and I didn't. But at the same time, it was as a father, you know this by having kids, to see your child reach the goals that they set out to, to, to accomplish, even if they came up a little bit short. It was, I mean, heartfelt. It was driving me crazy. I, I can't control what he does, you know, so it made it a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, I loved every minute and wouldn't change for the world. Thanks, Jimmy. You got it. And coming up next year on March Madness 365, we'll continue our Big Ten Conference theme. Be joined by Mark Turgeon, the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins. Xavier Simpson, senior guard for Michigan. And Nebraska head coach Fred Hoiberg. Turgeon got a chance to have the Terps in maybe top two spots in the Big Ten, somewhere in that, one, two, three. Simpson played for John Beeline for three years. Now with Juwan Howard, he's the perfect point guard to start off a a new era at Michigan so that Juwan Howard has a reliable playmaker. And then Fred Hoiberg. It's interesting, as you'll hear from Fred, Iowa State, he was the mayor there, played in Ames. Goes to the NBA Chicago Bulls and then comes back to a familiar spot in Nebraska where his family's got deep roots in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's all coming up next here on March Madness 365. And coming up here on March Madness 365, we're going to be joined by two head coaches and a key player here in the Big Ten. We're going to get to those interviews in just a moment. But before we get to that, it's time for Cats Ranks. Hashtag Cats Ranks. That's R-A-N-K-Z. And the theme this month has been ranking the top 10 players in each of the power leagues that we're discussing. So for this podcast, I'm doing the Big Ten. So let's go. We're going to start number 10 with Joe Wieskamp from Iowa. So Joe has the ability to be a big shot maker. Jordan Bohannon's hip injury will determine how many shots Joe's going to take. But I think he's going to have a major role this year for Fran McCaffrey regardless. So Joe is at number 10 in our rankings. At number 9, Nogel Eastern from Purdue. Eastern is going to have to be a playmaker, ball handler, and an off guard. A little bit of everything for the Boilermakers with no Carson Edwards. But he told me he's ready for the challenge. He is working on it. He's already a great defender. He will become a complete basketball player. At number 8, Jalen Stick-Smith from Maryland. Nickname sticks because he's so lengthy, agile, active. Look, he'll be a rim protector without Bruno Fernando. He'll finish. He can face up and score. He's going to do a little bit of everything for Maryland inside. Number seven, Xavier Tillman from Michigan State. One of the top three big men in the Big Ten. And he emerged when Nick Ward was in and out of the lineup. Tillman was the most reliable big last year for Michigan State, and it will be Handling that role again. Number six, Xavier Simpson from Michigan. Lead point guard. Played for John Beeline for three years. Now one for Jawan Howard. He's going to lead the Wolverines, I think, back to the NCAA tournament. At number five, Io Tosumu from Illinois. Could have stayed in the NBA draft. Decided to come back. Big score. Freshman to sophomore year. He's going to make a huge jump. Really, really like the way he has progressed. I had fun doing a little BTN kind of deal with him. Just great personality. At number four, Anthony Cowan Jr. from Maryland. There's been a lot of great guards that have come through Maryland. 
Cowan wants to leave a legacy of getting beyond that second round after the disappointing loss to LSU. Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, it's within their grasp. At number three, one of the better big men in the Big Ten, obviously, Caleb Weston from Ohio State. He missed three games for suspension last year, and they lost all three. He came back, they beat Indiana in the Big Ten tournament, and they, and they made the NCAA tournament. So he's that important. He's lost some weight. He's more agile. Looks good, confident. He'll help the Buckeyes get into the NCAA tournament. At number two, Lamar Stevens from Penn State. Look, he has a legitimate shot to be a first-team All-American and Big Ten Player of the Year. I'm not going to predict it, but he could. Double-double guy, came back to school, he told me, to make sure he could leave a legacy, and that means get Penn State into the NCAA tournament, and I believe he can. At number one, Cassius Winston from Michigan State. Preseason Big Ten Player of the Year. Preseason Player of the Year nationally. An extension of Tom Izzo. Grew into this role. He has embraced it. Loves it. Won't have to score as much this year with Joshua Langford back, Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, Tillman, but... He'll be just as much a big-time leader for Michigan State. Makes money shots. Tight game. He can, just like that, take it from three to six to nine. Just a great college basketball player. Forget the NBA right now. Really good college basketball player. He's number one in my Cats ranks of the top ten Big Ten players heading into this season. All right, so normally at this part of the show, we talk to a player or a coach, but this week I've got three interviews that I gathered last week at the Big Ten Media Day in Chicago. So first up, let's hear from Maryland head coach Mark Turgeon. He's got a team that many, including myself, are picking top three in the Big Ten this year. And Mark, you told me before that uh, you want to wait a little before you start a practice. It's kind of a weird time now in college basketball where you don't have the set day anymore. Yeah. Uh, why'd you decide to wait until uh, really the second week of October? Yeah confidence in my team my guys are working hard and so they're like they're in the gym putting the time in you know in the weight room whatever and so and then I think my young guys are pretty smart you know just dealing with them this summer and a little bit I've been on the floor with them now so you know this week we're working we're not doing the two-hour practices or three-hour practices we're doing hour hour and 15 minutes we're not in our practice uniforms we're shirts and skins so I just think mentally it's it's good for our guys they're chomping at the bit they they want to start but it's just confidence in them that I have that I, and, and just been doing this for so many years. I think I can get them ready in four weeks. When you look back at how you got to where you are right now, because there was you know, a little bit of a roller coaster. I, I don't remember a time where there's been this much buzz yeah. about Maryland basketball. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. I mean, how, how are you feeling, you know, sort of the, the excitement yeah. about what is to come? Yeah. So we had a few years ago, we were preseason top five and, that hype was crazy because it had been the first time in a while. Uh, this hype doesn't seem as much, but I think we're embracing it better. I think we're excited. I think what we went through in the NCAA tournament last year with such a young team and playing in just two incredible games kind of really gave the guys a taste that they want to have again. And so they've worked extremely hard. You know, sometimes you worry when your guys are starting to get recognition, they kind of get caught up on themselves. It's actually made our guys work harder. So there's hype. It's great. Just want the building full. That's a, I want the building full on game night. That's big for us. It's big for our players. Uh, but we're, we're excited about it. We, you'd much rather have hype than, you know, worrying about whether you're going to win enough games to survive. So we're, we're embracing it and we look forward to it. You lose Bruno Fernando, but how is this team maybe better? 
Well, we'll play differently. We played through Bruno. We threw it to him on the block a lot, a lot. And when he was good, we were really good. Um, and so we'll play differently. We're a, little, a lot more experienced than we were last year, seven of our top eight guys back. Uh, but we're actually bigger and stronger. It sounds crazy, with, you know, because Bruno was such a man. But uh, we, we have more depth than we've had. Uh, I do think we can be better. I think, our, I think our players believe it. I think our coaches believe it because the experience we have coming back plus the group that we have coming in. Our, our young guys are really smart, good basketball players. So that, 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 uh, that helps us uh, be confident. And how have you become more patient? I'm just old. You know, I have kids. And, um, you know, I, I, I go back and I watch film this time of year from last year and how I'm acting and all that on the sideline and uh, how so we're you really look at that. Yeah. And just, you know, like, uh, you know, I wasn't very professional or hey, you're doing a good job or was I was I doing all the right things? Because I'm not emotional now about those games. You watch them right after you're emotional. And so I go back and I've watched almost every game to this point now because I've been traveling so much with recruiting. Um, but you grow patient. Uh, you, you become more confident when you're when you're this long and you've been successful, you become more confident. And then I have a tremendous staff. I have a really good staff that. It's made my job a lot easier, and um, I can rely on them for a lot more stuff. Next, I talked to a player who played 116 games so far at the University of Michigan. He has never missed a game in all three years. It's Michigan's Xavier Simpson. What is the biggest difference now going from John Beeline to Jawan Howard? Um, there are many differences. Um, the biggest difference I would probably have to say is Jawan is um, a lot more understanding just because he's a little younger. He's been through what we've been through. Um, he's been through a, a higher level that we're a level that we're trying to achieve at the professional level, and um, he's a lot younger, so he understands relationships a little bit more, and um, we can relate to him a lot more off the court. So, John Beeline was famous for his fundamentals, his attention to detail, the teaching. How have practices looked a little bit different under Juwan Howard? Uh, the pace has definitely picked up. Um, the practices are a lot different, but then again, they're still the same. They both focus on small details, which are important to the game of basketball. And I'm excited to see um, what, what the, more the practices bring. How much of a shock was it when he uh, decided to take the Cavs job? It was a shock, um, honestly, just because I never heard anything about it. Then I know it just kind of came out the blue. Um, but then again, this is the world we live in. You got to do what's best for you and your family, which I still respect uh, what Coach Beeline has done. He's done a lot for me, and I will never take that for granted. I'm very appreciative of being a player for a coach for him. Like I like him for three years. Uh, the things he's done for me, he's put me in a position to be in a position. So I'm extremely grateful for that, to be able to play for a coach like that. You know what I also appreciate from Juwan is that he's not talking about changing or, or it wasn't like you know some coaches come in they say oh we got to change the culture you know change everything he was respectful i mean michigan was as good a program as there was in the country two national championship games in 13 and and 2018 uh so that didn't need to change um for a player that is the, the sort of the carry over here i mean how much consistency are you seeing of the michigan brand from one staff to another oh i'm seeing a lot of consistency um Juwan is definitely, uh, him and Coach Beeline are definitely big on core values. Just the small things that can help make a team during those hard times, through the ups and downs in like March and April when you need to be able to stick together. That's um comes from now. So they're definitely both big on foundation, building that foundation, making sure the foundation is strong um, so we can progress forward from here and not have to go back and put pieces back in the box. You know, 
there's an there's a core group there. You, John Teske, Isaiah Livers. What have you seen in terms of the way your core group is meshing with the newcomers so far? It's great. Um, we don't have any small cliques on our team. Um, our team is one whole clique. All 15 of us, we hang out on off the court. Uh, you may see me with somebody. You may see me with another teammate. Uh, so we all love each other. We all hold each other accountable. We're definitely a team. I feel like that's what makes us uh, special. In terms of leadership, how ready are you to, to take on even more responsibility? I'm ready to take on 100% responsibility. John Teske has become one of the more improved players as a big. Uh, and we really saw that last year with Isaiah, uh, especially with the defections to the NBA draft. Um, and, and, you know, Charles Matthews gone. I mean, he was a senior. Uh, what have you seen in terms of his change in the demeanor to where he's going to have to carry more of a load and, and be a little bit more productive because he's going to have more opportunity? Um, I think he's ready. He definitely knows he's ready. Um, he comes in work every single day, just working on his leadership characteristics and qualities and things like that. He's on ready for the next level. He's improved it. He's working on his game. He's mentally locked in. He's physically, he's physically has gotten his body in a lot better shape. So I'm just excited for that. Excited to see what he brings and excited for him to be able to showcase it to the world. All right. In terms of newcomers, I'm not there. You are. Who, who should we expect to hear about more of the season? You definitely just expect to hear a lot about Brandon Johns. Brandon Johns is, is a phenomenal player who can do it all. He can guard all positions, play all positions. He's extremely athletic, who can shoot the ball. He's working on his ball handling skills, getting a lot way, lot, lot comfortable. And I would definitely say France. France is definitely a great player. He knows the game. He can pass. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can do it all. He's that playmaker on the wing, and he definitely can play some defense. So I'm, um, I told France the other day in practice, I expect to be on that t- that deep, that big ten defensive team. By the way, he plays defense. Yeah, what's it like to book in your career with Wagner's? It's great, man. I've had fun with the last Wagner. Um, we definitely had a lot of success together, but this new Wagner is great as well, so we're going to have some fun with him as well. And last thing, Xavier, we, we talked about this head to fun little thing with BTN Digital on, on your hook shot. Uh, why aren't other guards finding that and putting it in their repertoire? I'm not sure, man. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to see other guards doing that against me anyway, so I'll just keep my hook shots and all the little small things I can to myself. All right, so you just heard from Juwan Howard's point guard and Xavier Simpson. Juwan Howard, the new head coach at Michigan. Let's now shift to Nebraska, where there's also a new head coach. Very familiar to Lincoln, Nebraska fans, because the Hoiberg name has been around those parts for quite some time. Fred Hoiberg, the new head coach at Nebraska. Fred, we talked before the foreign trip. Now, after, what did you get out of it? Well, it was, it was a great trip for our team, and it actually was perfect timing uh, as far as a foreign trip goes because of all the new faces that we have. Uh, you know, of our 16 players, 14 of them are brand new, and the only one with any Big Ten experience is Thor. Uh, Deshaun Burke sat out last year as a transfer from Robert Morris. Uh, so the opportunity for our guys to spend quality time together uh, was the biggest benefit. You've been in two incredible environments. Iowa State, well, you'll experience more than Nebraska one, but how would you compare the uh, it's very similar. I, I think that the, uh, you know, when you start with the fans and the passionate fan bases that both schools have, you know, I was raised in Ames. I was born in Lincoln, uh, moved to Ames when I was two and experienced that fan base from an early age, uh, obviously where I played and, and had a great opportunity to go back and coach. I've been so impressed with Nebraska. And, I, you know, I talked to Coach Izzo a lot. I spent a lot of time with him because my son Jack uh, plays for him. And he said in his mind, Nebraska is as good a home court environment as any uh, in the Big Ten. 
And, you know, when you look at our facilities, I think they're as good as any in the country. And then with the fan base, you look at football has been sold out since 1962. Volleyball is probably the hardest ticket in town. They have 9,000 standing room only uh, every night. And then we sold every ticket already uh, for this upcoming season. So, you know, the passion of fan base that we have for the facilities, I think, are second to none. All right. Speaking of the facilities, it's a different era. What do you remember when you were a player? Back in the Big Eight when Iowa State would go to Nebraska. Well, I played in the old uh, Devaney Center, which where our practice facility is now connected to that. But we had some great battles with those guys. That was Eric Pajkowski and Eric Strickland and Jerron Boone. They they had some really uh, good teams. We had some great battles. And then my first actually coach game in the Big 12 Conference when Nebraska was still in the Big 12 was at the Devaney Center. And uh, Doc, who's now on my staff, beat us by one. And it was a heartbreaking game. But, uh, you know, it's been really cool being back in Lincoln. My grandfather coached at Nebraska from 55 to 64, uh, had arguably the greatest win in the history of the school when they knocked off Will Chamberlain's Kansas team in 1958. Uh, my other grandfather was a history professor for over 30 years. My parents both went there. So I've got a lot of connection. It's been really cool, you know, going back there and hearing stories about the impact that some of my family members had in their lives. So NBA, Minnesota to Iowa State, back to NBA, Bulls, back to Nebraska. How have things changed as an NCAA coach you know, with a little bridge of the NBA in between. It's changed a lot. And it's changing. And, it's, and now it's going to change even more. But, you know, we really built that program up at Iowa State. And a lot of it was with the first class that we took with the transfers, with Royce White and Chris Allen and Chris Babb and, uh, and Anthony Booker. You know, we had a solid first year, 16 and 16, and then went to four straight NCAA tournaments and won two Big 12 tournament championships. And, you know, George Yang not gotten hurt. Uh, you know, the one year, I think we had a really good chance of winning it all that year. But, you know, the, my point to go back, building it with the transfers, we weren't competing against the Kentuckys and the Kansases and the Dukes. Now, uh, with just the, you know, the makeup of college basketball, there's a thousand kids in the transfer portal every year, and uh, we're competing against the best. It wasn't like that when we started building the program at Iowa State. Uh, the one thing I do think we can do, similar to the way we built it names, is we can have a very almost identical blueprint. We can take transfers, we can have four-year players in junior college players and that's really what this first class is made up correct me if i'm wrong here i mean with two heart surgeries i mean how much have you been able to be patient stay in the moment enjoy the day and not get too stressed about not that you don't want to win or you know obviously everyone wants to win but at least keep everything in perspective well it does put your life in perspective i you know my career ended i actually had my best year as a pro my 10th year in the league i led the nba in three-point shooting and uh you know found out after the season i had basically had a ticking time bomb in my chest and had i not gone in uh, for a routine life insurance exam it was probably just a matter of time before my aorta ruptured and uh, you know, when I look back at that, I, you know, first, you know, feel how fortunate and blessed I am that I found out about my heart condition. Uh, but also, uh, it did put my life in perspective. Those little things that used to seem so important, you know, maybe aren't anymore. And, you know, listen, I have as competitive a drive as anybody. And, you know, that's what allowed me to play 10 years uh, in a league chasing around superior athletes on a nightly basis. But for me, you know, to go through what I did, not just one open heart, but two, uh, you know, getting my valve replaced. I'm on my second pacemaker. You know, I've gone through a lot, but, you know, it's something that, you know, again, I look back on it every day and, and really understand how fortunate I am. Thanks, for we're, we're thrilled you're back in college basketball. I appreciate it, Andy. Thank you. All right. It's now time here on March Madness 365 to be joined by Chad Acock, and he's going to challenge me on my Big Ten locks, my bubble teams. Uh, Chad's got the numbers. He's got the data. So, Chad, go ahead and really push back on my predictions. Yeah, Andy, let's do it. Uh, We're talking Big Ten this week. 
Last year, really impressive performance by the Big Ten. Conference record, eight teams earned a bid. Seven of those eight teams earned at least one win in the tournament. We saw Michigan State reach the Final Four. We saw Purdue narrowly miss the Final Four, thanks to Mamadi Diakite. Andy, you're a Big Ten analyst in the regular season. You know the ins and outs of these teams, probably better than some coaches. Uh, So let's just start with your locks to make the dance in 2020 from the Big Ten. All right, so I went with uh, Michigan State, obviously, all right, <laughs> right off the top. Um, you know, they're going to compete for the national championship, so that's a given. Then Maryland, Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Penn State. I went with eight locks. Eight. Eddie, we're, we're talking locks. Like, no doubt, it's set in stone. <laughs> You've got those eight making the dance. Yes, I went way out on the limb. I'm falling off the plank here. I mean, look, Michigan State, Maryland, Ohio State, Purdue. I can see how, well, I don't see how anyone could challenge those. All right. So, you know, Michigan with Juwan Howard, if people are questioning that, I get that. Although they've got three big time players back in in, uh, Xavier Simpson, Isaiah Livers, and John Teske. So they've got enough pieces there. Uh, I, I think they'll be fine. Wisconsin, yes, they lost Ethan Happ, but all their guards are back. Brad Davison, Demetri Price, Kobe King, Nate Reavers is going to be sort of a point forward for them. Uh, I think they've got better depth. I think the ball will move a little more freer without Ethan Happ. So I feel very confident in the Badgers. The two teams that I see climbing into this, and I know it's crazy to say they're a lock now, but I believe it. Uh, and those are Illinois and Penn State. Illinois, uh, you know, Illinois got so much better during the course of the season because they finally understand how to play under Brad Underwood. Ayo DeSumo came back, could have gone to the NBA draft. Trent Frazier, so you got your backcourt. Georgia Bashanis Feely, back. Uh, you know, solid forward who can defend, great leader. Uh, Trent Frazier, uh, excuse me, uh, Andre Feliz, uh, another sort of key rotation guy. You know, they added Kofi Cockburn. I mean, they've got these pieces that 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 I feel like they're just going to be right there to make the tournament, to be a team that's really going to be in the top five in the league. And, uh, I, you know, I just don't see them dipping down below that. Now, Penn State is the one that I think a lot of people challenge me on because they did lose Rasir Bolton and Josh Reeves. But I'm confident in Miles Dredd. And Jamari Wheeler is their backcourt, and I love Lamar Stevens. I think he could have, he could actually be the Big Ten Player of the Year, even though I'm going with Cassius Winston. But Lamar Stevens is going to be a double double guy, great leader, and he's the kind of guy that can really carry a team. And I think he's going to have a monster season for Penn State. So I know that's very generous here. And look, two years ago, they you know barely got four, you know five and six of Nebraska and Penn State didn't make it. So things are cyclical. This is a year where I feel really good about the depth. Yeah, eight teams again in the tournament, I guess, would tie the conference record they set last year. I'm a little bit more conservative with my approach to the Big Ten. I agree with most of your analysis there. At the top, I do like Michigan State, Maryland, Purdue, and Ohio State. Those would be the four teams I like as a lock. I want to dive a little bit more into Illinois there. They feel like the biggest wild card for me in the Big Ten. You know, maybe the lowest floor, but also one of the highest ceilings. I could see them finishing anywhere between two and eight. Uh, There's a lot of different reasons for that. One side of the coin is 
Andy, this team struggled badly at times. They didn't really finish strong. I think they lost, what, six out of their last eight games, some of those by double digits. Uh, but on the other side, they're number one in the Big Ten uh, in scoring production returning, 85.7%. Uh, they did beat Maryland and Michigan State last season. Andy, I want to I want to pick your brain a little bit more on Io. Io Desumu, you touched on. He led the team in scoring as a freshman. I think you would agree that you know the freshman to sophomore jump and growth uh, is the biggest for a player in college. Um, right. Do you think he has the potential to be you know maybe challenge Cassius Winston, Lamar Stevens, like you said, for Big Ten Player of the Year? Only if Illinois ends up finishing you know somewhere in the top three. If that happens and he you know averages let's say in the in the 17 to 20 range and has, you know, some, you know, Carson Edwards like games where he can go for 30 or something like that or 40, then yes. Um, you know, the thing with Cassius Winston, as much as I'm high on him for national player of the year, precinct player of the year, he's not going to have to carry as much of a load. And I talked about this earlier in, in the podcast, you know, Joshua Langford back, let's assume he's healthy um, for the whole season. Aaron Henry's better. Xavier Tillman's going to need to be fed. Rocket Watts is going to be an impact freshman for them. So Winston may not score as much as he did last season because he doesn't have to. So someone like Io could step up and become a potential player of the year candidate if Illinois can finish that high. Sure. And let's jump around. You made a lot of good points. I want to touch back on Michigan. You know, yes, you mentioned they're bringing back some key pieces, especially with Xavier Simpson. But they did lose their top three scores, Bryce Dacus, Poole, and Charles Matthews. With that loss of that talent alone, not including the loss of John Beeline, I would have had them more in the bubble discussion. When you add in the loss of the head coach, John Beeline, who did so much for this Michigan program, I I just have a hard time even putting them in that bubble discussion. If anything, I think they'd be on the wrong side of the bubble for me. But do you have any concerns with Juwan Howard never being a head coach, you know, at any level? You know, we saw him as an assistant in Miami, but what are your thoughts? Can he bring this group together to be in that conversation? Yes, I have concerns, but I think the addition of Phil Martelli as his top assistant, returning Sadie Washington as an assistant, Howard Isley, I think it's a really good staff. And I think that Phil's going to really help him on the bench in those sort of late game decisions. Look, Michigan doesn't have an easy schedule. They rarely ever do. But uh, I just feel like the return of that big three, and I agree, yes, they lost a lot. Uh, You're right. And, you know, they didn't know that they were going to lose as much, you know, uh, and that was probably probably one of the reasons the B-line decided to leave. But, you know, I I just think that Simpson's leadership and Teske inside, he's not a great player, but he's so solid at both ends. You know, really the big question to me is can Isaiah Livers – step up and elevate his game because he's going to have to. Uh, I mean, he's just going to have to become that player for them when he has been a solid rotation player, but he hasn't necessarily been, you know, sort of a go-to wing scorer on a regular basis. You know, you know, because Jordan Poole was the player that I think that John Beeline thought was going to come back. So if you had Poole with this group, you know, it'd be you know, you wouldn't even – be discussing the, the bubble, but he's gone. So now Livers has to really take up some of the slack that that he delivered. And then that toughness that Iggy Brasdakis gave them last season as a freshman, you know, they got to make sure that they've got that as well. Great. That's a great point. Uh, we'll definitely see how that plays out. I think they're one of the, the teams that a lot of people, not just Big Ten fans, I think just across the country want to see how Juwan Howard can bring this group together. But moving on to Penn State, 
we saw in 2018, two years ago, you know, they, they won the NIT. Then Tony Carr left. Last year, we didn't really know what to expect. And then they started off the Big Ten 0-10, but they did finish strong. They finished 7-3. and uh, They bring Lamar Stevens back. But, Andy, this is a team that hasn't been dancing since 2011. So give us some reasons outside of Lamar Stevens uh, for there to be optimism at Penn State. Well, I mean, this could be the reach. And I, I take that criticism that it is a reach. But it's sort of now or never. I mean, you've got a player like Lamar Stevens who, you know, could be one of the best forwards in the country. He could be a first-team All-American. And I'm banking on the Penn State. We saw that 7-3 and three Penn State, not the 0-10. And if that Penn State comes back, and we're going to know early because they're going to have to play well in the non-conference. They cannot allow it to all be in the conference. They don't have a great home court. Yes, I know they beat Michigan last year, but uh, midweek games usually poorly attended. So they've got to do their work in the non-conference. And if they do, if they set themselves up to where they've got a really good record, they've plucked off a couple of really good wins, then I think they're going to be in position to get a bid. But, you know, they are clearly the kind of team that, could end up in Dayton, uh, which they'd be fine with, you know, but I, I think they're going to be one of those, you know, if you want to put Michigan in that group, that's fine. Uh, and, you know, before you get to them, I mean, you know, my one bubble was Iowa and and I think Indiana fans will, will be all over me for that. But, um, you know, they certainly could be in the bubble group and I think they will ultimately be in our bubble discussion as we have that throughout the course of the season. Let's jump right to Iowa then. You said Iowa, is that your one bubble team you have, Andy? Yeah, and and I probably should add Indiana in there, but when we did this, you know, we'll see. But I, yes, Iowa's my bubble, and and in large part because Jordan Bohannon. We don't know when he's coming back. He's got a hip injury. You know, Fran McCaffrey was kind of evasive, which is fine because he just doesn't know. Yeah, you know, they it, lost a lot. Yeah, that is that is a lot. Tyler Cook turning pro. I think you're about to say. But Bohannon, yes. he was so magical in those late-game scenarios, yes. Northwestern at Indiana, the clutch gene. He's got it. If Let's just you know, say Isaiah he Moss doesn't return. Kansas. Yeah, yeah, uh, no Nick Bear, Nick Bear was a good sort of rotation guy. I mean, here's the thing. You know, Joe Wieskamp will be a good score for him, for them, but he can't do it alone. And if he doesn't have Bohannon to play off of, that really hurts them. You know, the McCaffrey brothers are solid players, but they're not big-time scorers. Luca Garza is really kind of a crafty, you know, guy that works the angles, kind of Ethan Happ-like in some degree. But once again, he's not a star. He's a solid player. And so, you know, Bohannon was the guy that, like, you know, made big-time shots when they needed him. Maybe Wieskamp can be that guy. But Wieskamp is great as, you know, your second guy. Is he the one guy? We'll see. That's why I've got some questions, question marks right now as to whether or not Iowa has the pieces in place right now without knowing their full health. Yeah, so at, with what we know right now, Iowa on the bubble, are they on the right side or the wrong side? Right now they're on the wrong side, and so is Indiana, which I may slide up. Um, you know, with Indiana, I like their backcourt and Devontae Green and Rob Finnessy and, and Deron Davis inside, so they've got three key pieces right now. Uh, but, you know, losing Romeo Langford, losing Juwan Morgan – that's big. That That's two big pieces gone. And they weren't consistent with those guys last season. So uh, they don't have a star. That's another problem for Indiana right now. You know, they, they lack the star power. Now, maybe they'll be better as sort of a collection of parts. And Archie Miller can get them to defend. And they'll be a tough out. And they'll be right there down the stretch. I don't know. But I do like their backcourt. But they lack like the star power on a wing or a forward right now that would take them up to that next spot. Yeah, I totally agree with that. 
lost the star power, but they did find a way to get six quad one wins last season. We'll see just if they can get those wins again as a collective unit, maybe avoid some of the bad losses. Uh, last question, Andy, which team that we haven't touched on yet still might have the potential when the Big Ten's kind of beating up on everybody. If they can get a few key wins, who could make that run to get in that bubble discussion? So this may surprise people. I think Minnesota's going to be really young, even though they've got Daniel Turo a really strong player. Northwestern's really young as well. Nebraska, new head coach in, in Fred Hoiberg, who you just heard from on our podcast. Believe it or not, my outlier here is Rutgers. Now, I think they definitely would have been on the bubble had, uh, and hopefully I don't butcher this, but Omanrui, uh, Eugene Omanrui, ended up transferring to Oregon. And maybe it's Omanrui. Anyway, he's gone. He's off to Oregon. He was their anchor inside. So a lot of this will fall down now on the perimeter to Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. Uh, so I really like their guards. But the question is, do they have the forward inside? Is it a guy like Shaq Carter? You know, someone's going to have to step up inside to help them deal with the physicality in the Big Ten. Backcourt-wise, they can hang with any team in the in the league. So they're that one team that potentially could move up if they get quality frontcourt play. All right, Andy, look, I agree with that. Geo Baker, he was really, really such a great leader, do-it-all guy for Rutgers. I agree. We'll see what happens if they can make that that leap that they need to. Uh, but this was a great recap, Andy. Looking forward to doing it again next week with the ACC. That's right. I'm heading to the ACC Media Day. Uh, that'll be on Tuesday. Uh, and then on Thursday, uh, for those tracking me and all our March Madness content, I will be at the Big East Media Day in New York. We've got so much content on March Madness. You cannot ignore that we are prepping you for the beginning of the college basketball season. Check it out on March Madness, all our social media uh, handles as well as ncaa.com that's where you can find all our videos lists stories different things that we're covering across the country as you get as we get you ready for 2019-20 college basketball season thanks for joining me chad and all our guests here on march madness 365 and wherever you download your podcast make sure you download this one to get you ready for the college basketball season we are here every week all year round on march madness 365 thanks for listening